You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and uh, we're going to have an in-the-dub segment brought to you by uh, our friends at dubnetwork.ca, and we're going to chat about some uh, WHL items. We're going to start, though, with the World U-17s, which uh, happen to be played in WHL territory uh, through uh, the last week in both Swift Current and Medicine Hat. And uh, a guy who was there for part of it is uh, joining me now, Glenn Erickson from Dub Network. Uh, welcome back to the show, Glenn. Boy, it's only been, a, what, about uh, a month or so since you were last on. So uh, I appreciate you making the time once again. Yeah, nice to be back. Thanks very much for the invitation. All right. When you look back at the, the week that was and uh, from what you saw at the U17, uh, what stood out to you in a tournament like that? I mean, these guys are draft eligible in most of them in 2021, so lots can change, but uh, who who stood out to you? Well, for me, it, it's, um, it started slowly, really. Um, I attended uh, some of the early games uh, and a pre-tournament game in Medicine Hat, and and at that point, you know, my expectations were pretty high, and, and I think initially I, I felt maybe a bit let down. But, of course, the teams had, had just kind of landed in the region, uh, the Canadian teams in particular, all three of them. Um, I didn't think they were particularly cohesive uh, all week long, uh, certainly not at the beginning of the week, that's for sure. I mean, trying to get used to each other, not a lot of chemistry. This could be picked up as the week went on, and um, there was there were a few of us who attended quite a few games in in Medicine Hat. I got to Swift Current for one day, the uh, the final day of the uh, preliminary round. Uh, there were a couple of games in particular I wanted to see in Swift Current, but um, just the overall speed, uh, the puck movement really seemed to improve as the week went on. Um, it wasn't real physical hockey. Uh, I found that interesting, and I broached that subject with a few of the the youngsters I was able to speak with. Um, uh, certainly wasn't as as physical as what some of these young guys experience uh, in in the Western Hockey League. But all in all, uh, you know what? It it was pretty entertaining. Um, and as the week moved on, um, you know, I think there there were some surprises. We certainly expected more from the Canadian teams, but uh, a couple of those international teams just uh, progressively got better as the week went on, and and that showed in the final standings. Well, and Russia ends up winning the tournament. The U.S. Uh, is in second. The uh, Canada has not won this tournament uh, since 2016, and actually only one win uh, in the last decade. Uh, and uh, somebody asked me recently about this, and just Canada has three teams that get entered where everybody else has won. Is that a disadvantage for Canada? I, th- I think I understand why they do it. More exposure, more experience for young players. But if you're trying to build a, a winning team, wouldn't it make more sense to have one team? Um, so uh, wh- what do you think of the way Canada yeah. does it? You know, I agree on all counts, uh, Guy. You know what? Uh, you, you bring 66 players in and you split them up into three teams. Um, you know, let's suppose uh, that the formula was to bring uh, the top 25 players in, and I think that uh, I think you would, you know, see a, a different product, a, a different level of play, um, because of course you'd have all of the elite players. Um, but that group of 66 players, I understand why Hockey Canada is is. Um, is going that route. Um, you know, they're they're planning for future um, international events. You know, it it, it makes sense to me. Um, you know what? If you only had one Canadian team um, and you wanted an eighteen tournament, I think chances are you would be bringing in some international sides that would really water down the quality of play as well. Sure. So, yeah. um, it's you know what's I guess the you know you and I have heard it a million times. It, it is what it is. Um, you know, some of those teams, I mean, if they can uh, establish some chemistry and, and, uh, and, and that cohesiveness right out of the gate, they're likely going to have some success. But you know what? I, I think, uh, some of the teams that, 
had played together a lot more prior to the event, kind of rose to the top uh, when we got to the medal round. Did you see the Americans and the Russians uh, play? Maybe not against each other, but uh, through the tournament, did you get a chance to see those teams? Yeah, the U.S. team was based in um, the the group that uh, that played in Medicine Hat, and uh, they were they were certainly the top team in in their group. You know, a guy like Chaz uh, Lucius was just terrific offensively, ten points, led the tournament in scoring. Uh, a couple other guys uh, really stood out to me was a guy named Sean Barron's, a defenseman. Uh, he was was really involved uh, involved offensively uh, he looked like a guy who had the latitude from the coaching staff to um to, to jump into the play uh, when, whenever he felt there was an opportunity i thought he was just terrific now another another fellow on the u.s team sasha pastajov um always seemed to be in the mix you know he had seven points in eight games um, you know good playmaker a great skater so um it was interesting to watch some of the the players who who sort of stood out to me on the U.S. team, I got to see them um, a little more than the Russian team. Uh, the last day of the uh, preliminary round games, Russia played Sweden in Swift Current, and that was an afternoon game. I, I arrived at the arena in Swift Current um, midway through the first period. That was a game I wanted to see because to that point, Russia had lost their first two games. And of course, these are you know your defending champions, right? And, and Sweden looked very good out of the gate. And uh, it was interesting, that game, Russia went into the third period trailing, came back, had a great third period, won the game, and run the table after that game against Sweden. Uh, Russia just caught fire, and it seemed to stem uh, from the success against Sweden. When Russia arrived uh, for the quarterfinal uh, medicine hat, they were very good, you know, Nikita Chibrikov and outstanding on the power play, Proker Poltapov. Uh, um, the Canadian team in the quarterfinal, they gave the Russians plenty of opportunities on the power play, and that was an absolute killer. Russia got out to a 5 nothing lead, about uh, 14 minutes remaining in the uh, uh, second period. It was over, and uh, Russia was full marks in, in that game, totally dominant, and, uh, of course, they... Did the same thing when they went back to Swift Current for a semi against the Czech Republic, and um, they were obviously very good in the gold medal game when uh, when they took it to the USA six uh, two for a gold medal. Repeat, hey, yep. defending champs. Yep, back to back. The uh, top scoring Canadian in the tournament, Shane Wright, uh, with seven points uh, through the event. I guess Zach Dean also had seven points, but uh, Shane Wright gets the exceptional status uh, from Hockey Canada. He's playing in the OHL and uh, is his one of his team's leading scorers. Uh, Matthew Savoy does not get the exceptional status. He's played five games with the Winnipeg Ice, only has one point this year. Think Hockey Canada got that right, or is it uh, too early to judge here with uh, Savoy because he hasn't played a whole lot? Um, maybe in fairness to Savoy, um, the sample size might be a little small, but as far as Shane Wright goes at the U-17, absolutely as advertised, uh, dominant. Uh, physically, he's a lot bigger uh, than Matthew, Matthew Savoy. So, um, you know, I think not as susceptible uh, to, to some of the challenges that the high traffic areas can present. Um, Shane Wright really could shoot the puck hard. Um, Savoy was interesting. I did have an opportunity to, to speak with both players, but with Matthew, um, in the first game, he had three of his five points. So he was pretty good out of the gate early. And in that hockey game, too, um, he, took, he took a couple of shots off the same ankle 
in the first period and just didn't seem to be the same after that. I, I broached that subject with him after that first game. I said, geez, you know, you took a couple of hard knocks there. And, you know, he acknowledged it, and he also said, you know what, that's part of our game plan. Uh, what they wanted to do in Team White is, is as much as they could, they wanted to get into shooting lanes and block shots. Well, when one of your key offensive contributor, um, you know, takes a couple of hard ones off the ankle, and my goodness, these young players shoot the puck hard. Um, I think that, um, you know, if, if the truth be told, he may have been hobbled, um, you know, through, through the remainder of the week. But again, Shane Wright was a guy who played in all situations for Team Black. He was a guy they counted on in overtime. Team Black was the only team that went undefeated in the preliminary round. Yeah. Problem is, they won all three of their games in overtime, <clears throat> and with the three-point system, uh, they finished one point behind the United States in their group, and subsequently that you know has an impact on seeding for uh, for the medal round. But um, you know what, Shane Wright, absolutely as advertised. Uh, of the WHLers that you had a chance to watch in the U17, uh, who stood out that uh, had a good tournament? Well, you know what we talk about Matt Savoy a little bit. Um, you know Cole Sillinger, who has had a terrific year out of the gate with. Um, the Medicine Hat Tigers, he was very good. He scored five goals, and you know what? He scored some timely uh, goals for, for Team White. Um, he was in his element playing at home in, in Medicine Hat, and he spoke to that over the course of the week. He, he really enjoyed the experience and, and I think really enjoyed having the experience uh, you know, in his home rink. Uh, Dylan Gunther, I thought, was, was pretty good. Um, you know, good skater um, in, in comparison to, to the rest of the age class over the course of the week. Really, I thought he was snake bit early in the tournament. Um, had a lot of opportunities to put the puck in on that. He wasn't able to capitalize. That changed late in the week. And he, uh, he lit the lamp a couple of times. And uh, I think uh, he's a player who will leave the tournament feeling a little better about how it finished. Uh, rather than how it started. Uh, Carson Lambos, of course, a teammate of, of uh, Matt Savoy's with the Winnipeg Ice, uh, made the t- uh, tournament all-star team, uh, played in a lot of different situations. Uh, you know, physically, he's not a very imposing guy, so um, he's got to, you know, he's got to play smart, um, and I think he did, and, and, and I think observers would, would agree that, uh, you know, full marks for that. Um, getting the nod as far as the tournament all-star team goes. One guy I really liked, um, although I don't think any um, Team Canada goaltender really established themselves over the tournament, perhaps Thomas Mielitz with Team Red, uh, pretty good numbers, but uh, Tyler Brennan, the Prince George Cougars, um, you know what, he, um, he, played, he played some heavy minutes against some tough teams, um, you know, I spoke to him about uh, the experience he's having in Prince George. Of course, he's playing behind Taylor Gauthier up there, which means that uh, he might end up with you know limited starts, um, you know, as a young guy. But you know, he's 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 a big physical presence in the net, and and probably a guy Cougars can hang their hat on for uh, you know a couple of seasons after after these um, after this season. You know, depending what they do with Gauthier, um, you know, Tyler Brennan might uh, be the number one guy sooner rather than later in Prince George. Um, Logan Stankoven, I thought, was just outstanding. Team Red, with, uh, you know, he's part of the Kamloops Blazers. I mean, I think they're the odds-on, uh, you know, best team in the Western Conference. Certainly, I think they're a BC Division favorite, uh, and the future looks bright with a guy like uh, Logan Stankoven, who's just a terrific skater, real nose for the net, um, seems to know how to navigate traffic in the attacking zone. And a real competitive guy, too. If he happens to be the guy who loses the puck, he's on his horse 
back-checking into the defending zone. Um, very impressive. The Kamloops Blazers have a good one there. It's funny, when you look at Sillinger, Stanko, and Gunther in this tournament, all their points, all of them, goals. Uh, no assists for any of those guys, but yeah, Sillinger well, five no goals, helpers, yeah. Stan Coven four goals, Gunther three goals. Uh, these guys can snipe, that's for sure. All right, let's switch gears to uh, just WHL chat right now. And uh, as we said, it's for uh, the uh, in the dub segment for uh, Dub Network, um, Glenn, we were chatting about it uh, just briefly before we started. Surprises this year in the WHL. And there's a few of them, a few teams that have uh, surprised, both in a good way and maybe a little bit surprising that they're further down the standings. Uh, than uh, than we thought they would be. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, because there's a few teams in both conferences that fit that bill. Well, the U.S. division has a little bit of an attention getter there. That you know, Tri City, um, you know, maybe pegged as a team that might struggle. Um, of the gate there um, have have been very good, and um, I, I kind of looked at Spokane and thought you know, this was going to be, uh, you know, the team to beat. But you know, Spoke, I guess, has been dealt a, a blow here or there, I guess, with the injury bug, um, you know, and I find it very interesting when we look at these two teams, Tri-City lost a 20-year-old by the name of Riley Sawchuk, who's up in Edmonton, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Spoke, uh, um, there's a 20 in Edmonton, uh, McIndoe. Yep. Yeah, Ethan McIndoe. played there, so there's, and, uh, the, you know, those two players are having some success with a darn good Oil Kings team. But, uh, you know, having said that, I think Spokane, it took a while, you know, if they, they didn't get Ty Smith back uh, right out of the gate. Uh, their import goaltender has, has been injured. I think they're getting good contributions from, uh, you know, Adam Beckman, um, who has, you know, led the Saskatchewan Major AAA League in scoring as a 16-year-old and had a terrific rookie season in Spokane last year. Um, you know, Jack Finley, um, you know, his father Jeff, um, you know, longtime scout and a longtime NHL player. Uh, you know, I think Jack is is – rounding into form, uh, you know, kind of growing into his body. Some of these guys at 16, 17, when they show up at 6'5", 170 pounds, you know, they can look a little bit uncoordinated as yeah. they kind of progress through that growth spurt. But when they, uh, again, grow into their body, put some weight on, and that coordination sort of returns, um, I think they, they really begin to find their way and establish themselves. So I, I like what's happening in Spokane, although out of the gate, I'm surprised that they maybe haven't gotten off to, to a better start. Yeah, especially because they got Ty Smith back and there was some concern, you know, preseason, would that happen or not? Well, they got him back early and it doesn't seem to have, uh, been that big boost that, uh, most of us expected it would be. And in the Eastern Conference, a similar story, you look at Lethbridge and Calgary, and, and I think a lot of people would have expected those two teams to be flipped in the standings from what reality says right now. Yeah, that's interesting, but hey, you know what? Before the Central Division, you know, you mentioned about, uh, you know, waiting for Ty Smith to come back. You know, think about the Saskatoon Blades, you yeah. know, waiting for Kirby Dock to come back, and, and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So you wonder how some of these teams begin to sort of switch gears once the National Hockey League sort of um, makes some decisions that, that impact the, the rosters in the junior. And of course, you know, that happened for both Lethbridge and Calgary. Uh, Calgary got Marcus Stellick back from Ottawa. And I thought that would you know, be a real boost. Uh, you know, he's a guy that puts the puck in the net. And, of course, certainly didn't hurt the Hurricanes to get Dylan Cousins back. And he's yeah. been absolutely on fire since uh, since he got back. So I'm encouraged that Lethbridge having some success out of the gate. We weren't 100% sure how things were going to fall into place with them with you know, elite players like Cousins and, um, you know, Kalen Addison. Uh, they're getting very good uh, goaltending, in my opinion. I, I Name escapes me. Um, you know, I know Tedichuk is the guy there, but the fellow playing behind him, a young player, 
big, big goaltender. Uh, I think they have a pretty good tandem there in Lethbridge too. And that maybe gives the guys up front uh, an opportunity to play with a little more freedom and, um, you know, take some more chances. Calgary, um, it sounds to me in, in talking to uh, a couple of guys there that cover the team for us at Dub Network, Jeff Hollick, um, really an interesting guy, you know, suggested they've run into problems with, with penalty killing. And at the same time, you know, doesn't think that their goaltending has been what they expected. Uh, certainly, if you're killing a lot of penalties, you expect your goaltender to be one of your top penalty killers. If that's not happening, my goodness, you know, you're going to chase the game um, from time to time. But I look for Calgary to kind of rebound. I think that there's too much talent and depth on that roster. I think they've got a big, physical, mobile uh, group on the back end. I know that uh, the Medicine Hat Tigers have had a tough time in Calgary, um, the couple of times that they've uh, played the hitmen, and um, I think that's in large part due to the Calgary defensemen being able to slow down uh, the Tigers, who play the game at a at a real fast pace. Um, at this point, I think the Central Division is is the most competitive in the league, and uh, you know, some good fortune for me to be able to see these teams frequently. And my goodness, we haven't even talked about uh, about the Oil Kings. Uh, you know, nationally ranked uh, for the last few weeks, they're finding a way to get it done, aren't they? They are, and you'll see them uh, this week. Uh, this weekend, are they actually down in Medicine Hat? Yeah. Yes, they're in Saturday Medicine night. Hat on Saturday, yeah. and then an afternoon yeah. game on Sunday back here in Edmonton. Not a not a great schedule for the Oil Kings uh, this weekend. But uh, Brian Thompson is the uh, other goaltender in Lethbridge, and I'm with you. I, you know, I I had question marks before the season about Lethbridge uh, in net, and uh, so far, Carl Tedichuk and Brian Thompson have have really answered the bell there. And I agree with you in Calgary that goaltending has been a problem, and I thought that would be a concern for them. Jack McNaughton hasn't uh, played up to uh, what he did last year. Braden Peters is getting more and more opportunity and, and has better numbers now uh, than McNaughton in uh, fewer starts. But I wonder if it's, uh, let's see if Peters can do it, and if not, if they have to go out and uh, find a, a more veteran goaltender uh, somewhere else in the league. Um, one other thing we wanted to chat about was uh, attendance in the uh, WHL this year. I'm certainly seeing it in, in Edmonton. To my eye, it seems to be down this year, and I'm hearing it around the league as well. Uh, are you noticing it as, uh, from where you are? It's you know it's really surprising to me. Um, you know, having had the opportunity to, to to spend you know 13, 14 years in Kelowna and and attend uh, Western Hockey League games. In a facility that uh, I think is a terrific size for junior hockey, and and in a market uh, you know where there has been some success and and tremendous support, uh, you know in a building that'll accommodate 6,000 people in Kelowna, when you put 4,500 people in there, you're going to see some empty seats, but it certainly does uh, you know create a, a terrific atmosphere uh, in Medicine Hat here. What a spiffy building this is. Canalta Center, I think capacity about 7,100. Uh, they're struggling to draw 2,500 a game and. Uh, Having said that, there is still atmosphere. It is loud in this building, um, but my goodness, if they ever put 5,000 in here, 3,880, that is kind of the, the average number when I look at the Western Hockey League website, 202 games played this year, 3,880 average attendance. It skewed a little bit in Regina because of the outdoor classic that attracted about about 15,000 fans, but right. uh, so there's a little bump in in Regina's overall um, average attendance. But when I look at a number, it's 3,880 fans on average. There's 12 teams in the league where their average attendance is actually less than that 3,880. Um, 
some of the teams in the states, of course, they're um, they're kind of leading the way. Portland, Everett, they're getting terrific support. Edmonton, Calgary, top of the heap. You expect that. Kelowna. I'm looking for a bit of a spike in Kamloops, where I think the Blazers are just a terrific hockey team. That roster, I like how it's been put together. They were my early season favorite to win the Western Conference. Um, I think they are aggressively trying to sell more tickets. They're telling people that there are good seats available, and I think they're going to fill them. That's a hockey team that can play it any way you want to. You want to play tough and try and grind it out against them, I think they'll beat you that way. Uh, they've got the guys who can play with pace and skill. They can beat you that way. They're pretty good in goal. You know, Garand is a good goaltender on the Hockey Canada radar, and I think they got a damn good goaltender in behind him and Race Ramsey, you know, who came over from the Humble Broncos this year. So uh, I think the most complete team out of the gate, sure like what's happening in Kamloops, and hopefully that uh, translates into uh, increased attendance. But at the end of the day, when, you know, Western Hockey League, Western Canada, I think a lot of it relates to economy, Guy. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, if you see the trends and that type of thing, um, I think it's an economic issue and, and a definitely a, a challenge for the league. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on that. And uh, I wonder if uh, there has to be a market correction at all with uh, ticket prices and maybe uh, concession prices. Uh, I know that's been talked about a lot here by fans in Edmonton who are paying NHL concession prices uh, at WHL games uh, right. geared to a completely different fan base. And uh, that, that might have to be, that might have to be uh, adjusted. Glenn, uh, as always, uh, terrific to have you on again. And, uh, boy, uh, if, if we keep it at this pace, I'll be talking to you in a month or so. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll do my best to, to make sure that we have some fun when we have an opportunity to chat. Here's Glenn Erickson from uh, Dub Network uh, recapping the World U17 Challenge as well as uh, some of the surprising, uh, both good and bad surprises, in the WHL thus far. The uh, There are four games on tap tonight. In the Western Hockey League on this uh, Friday, Prince George is up in Kamloops. Red Deer hosting Medicine Hat. Portland welcomes Spokane, and the Lethbridge Hurricanes are on Vancouver Island to play Victoria. There's a uh, full slate of games on uh, Saturday. Some of the uh, marquee matchups. Kamloops is in Kelowna. Good rivalry there, obviously. Edmonton is on the road to take on the Medicine Hat Tigers. Calgary's in Saskatoon. It's always great when uh, Portland and Seattle get together. Same with Moose Jaw and Swift Current. Another rivalry, Spokane playing in Tri-City. And uh, Vancouver at home to uh, Prince George. All right, up next, uh, we are going to chat a little 2020 draft. It won't be draft spotlight time. We'll have a couple of those coming up later in the show. But we're going to head to Europe. Johan Lindemalm Carlson scouts for HockeyProspect.com. We're going to chat about Five players you need to know for the 2020 draft. Four of them are from Sweden, one of them from Germany. All five ranked in the first round by HockeyProspect.com. That is up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, it's Norris Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. 2 auf 1, Isis mit Seider und er macht sein erstes Deal-Tor. 5-1, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. 
with tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca.